Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we said last week, one of the first things we need to do every morning is wake up in the morning and say, Father, we thank you for the victory. Father, we thank you for giving us the victory. And in that phrase, it's a powerful statement. If you can hand that to me, Brother Robert. Victory is a gift. Say victory is a gift. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Victory is a gift. Do you have to work for a gift? No. You just receive it. It's a gift, right? Now, what if I told you that, you know, your gift is delivered, is right over here, and you're over here. All you have to do is go and get it. It's still a gift, right? And so for a lot of us this year, we'll find out that our victory is on the battlefield. That we still have to show up and fight, but the victory is still a gift. We have to understand that if God has been telling us this is a year of winning and victory, this is a time of unprecedented victory, a fight is coming. And you can't be afraid of the fight. You can't even be afraid of the enemy. You can't be afraid of the circumstance and the situations that stare you down. You can't be afraid of what you see on the news. You can't be afraid of all the things that happen around you because God already warned you, a fight is coming. But victory is a gift, which means every day I show up to the fight, I already know something, I win. Because victory is a gift. God gives me victory not because I have enough faith. God gives me victory because he loves me. But the way I receive any gift from God is through faith. As we talked about last week, whatever you're saved by, you live by. We're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's what we see in Ephesians chapter 2. And so we receive every gift of God by faith. And how does faith work? We hear, we receive, we believe, we speak, and we act like it. We hear, we receive, we believe, we speak, and we act like it. So victory is a gift. So I heard that. So you know what? I receive that or I take that. Victory is not just a gift for pastor. Victory is not just a gift for bishop. Victory is not a gift from some super spiritual person or someone who's been saved 20 years. Victory is a gift to me because God loves me. I receive that. You know what? I believe that. Because believing and hearing and receiving all, always go together. You can hear it. It's like, nah, that don't apply to me. Nah, that's not for 2021. Nah, that's not for me. But then you receive it. And you make a choice to believe it. You internalize it. And then you start talking about it. Victory is a gift, so I receive victory. So you know what? I'm going to win today. I'm going to be victorious today. You look in the mirror and say, you know what? That's one victorious person right there. That's someone who's going somewhere to win. That's not an accident going somewhere to happen. That's someone going where to have victory. And then you act like it. You start making plans to win. 
You look at your life, things you're fighting. Well, what would you do after that victory is settled, when that battle's over? How would you act? What would you do? What would you spend your time on doing? Well, pastor, I, I, I don't really know. Well, you need to start doing that if you really believe for victory. What changes would you make? What are you planning for? If everything you're believing for happened today, what would you do? I know a lot of you would shout, run, dance, jump, roll, and all this other stuff. But what would you do afterwards? What would you do after you brush yourself off? You need to plan for that if you really expect victory. This is the process of faith. There's the natural and the spiritual side. Victory is a gift that must be received by faith. You don't get victory because God loves you. I mean, excuse me, let me say it again. You don't get victory because you have enough faith. You have victory because God loves you. And you receive it through the channel or the doorway of faith. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are saved by grace through faith, so that is what we live by. Which means everything is a gift from God we receive through faith. Every promise is a gift we receive by faith. Now, there is a difference between gifts and rewards, and sometime this year we'll get into being rewarded by God. But there is a difference. Reward is based on stuff you did. But gifts is just because the giver is good. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 12 is looking at the first part of this verse. Fight the good fight of faith. This word fight means to enter a contest, to contend in the gymnastic games, speaking of the Greek and Roman games of a long time ago, to contend with adversaries, to fight. Metaphorically, it means to contend, to struggle with difficulties and dangers. It means to endeavor with strenuous zeal, to strive, to obtain something. But in this first part of the phrase, what is the emphasis on? The emphasis is not on faith. The emphasis is on fight. Because he could have just said, fight in faith, or use your faith to fight. But he says, fight the good fight of faith. So the emphasis is, in this life, you will have to fight. Now, it's not the color purple saying, all my life I had to fight. That's not what he's talking about. In this life, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. So when you deal with the struggles and the difficulties of life, how do you deal with them? By faith. So when something pops off and something shows up, how do you handle it? By faith. Which means you have to train yourself to handle stuff by faith. Why? Because your natural response is usually not faith. Your natural response is depending on how you're raised, your background, the people you're around, what you watched on TV, all the other stuff. Usually how you respond. And so if you come from a group of people that, you know, they're quick-witted, that sarcasm is an art. You know what I'm talking about, sarcasm is an art. You know, I don't just take you down, but I take you down with artful, craftful skill. That something pops off, your first thing to do is tell them everything about themselves and how they're everything but a child of God. You use every other word in the book. See, you've never been cussed out until you've been cussed out by a Christian because they've been holding back for a long time. That might be your first response. Or your response, depending on your personality, it may be, you know, you might have grown a little bit. It's like, you know what? I know how I'll respond if I stay in this situation even longer. So for your sake... God bless you. 
No, no, this is maturity. This is love because if I stay here any while longer, I'm going to lay hands and then violate social distancing, but not in a holy way. There's different ways we can respond to every situation. But if we want to win and have victory, we have to respond in faith, which means we don't shrink away. Now, there is wisdom when you say, you know what? God bless you. The wisdom of God tells me I need to leave you alone right now. Because you can hear the Holy Ghost on the inside. Don't say that. Don't post that. Don't tweet that. Move. You need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He knows you better than you know yourself. Oh, no, Holy Ghost, I can handle it. No, he's like, no. Leave. Follow his wisdom. But that's how we win. We follow his wisdom and handle things in faith. Not by responding how our nature tells us or how social media tells us or whatever our favorite TV show we've been binge watched since we can't go anywhere has told us to do. We have to respond by faith if we want to win. If we want to have different results in the rest of the world, then we have to respond in faith. We have to fight in faith. And I like this commentary for Rick Renner when talking about the second word for fight here. It's the same Greek word for the first one. He says the second usage of this word fight is also from the same Greek word he used when he referred to fight at the first of the verse. It conveys the idea of one who has given his complete concentration to the conflict and is totally focused on engaging the conflict at hand and achieving victory regardless how long it takes and how much agonizing effort is required. It is the picture of total commitment to victory. Total commitment to victory, which means that if I'm not totally committed to victory, that means I'm going to handle some stuff my way. Jesus, you take too long. You forgive too many people. So I'm going to handle it my way and get my results. And then I do that like, ooh, maybe, I, maybe Jesus does know more than me. If I want an unprecedented victory, if I want to be totally committed to victory, that means everything that shows up, I have to respond in faith. Which means sometimes when something happens, I need to shut my mouth. Because I don't always know what to say immediately. Or because the situation is going to bring something out of me that I know is not faith. So what do you do? You pause. You step back. Sir, what would you like me to say to this right now? And you can be honest with Jesus. Jesus, I need your help. I feel like laying hands on them. Suddenly. Like, like right now. I want to send them to have a personal appointment with you right now. See, some of you are too fake with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I don't need anything today. No, Jesus, help me with my mouth. Help me with my actions. Help me with my attitude. Help me. Help me is a real prayer. Even the disciples pray, Lord, help my unbelief. When you're having trouble believing, it's good to pray, Lord, help my unbelief. I'm so glad even though Peter had a mouth on him that he knew what to say at the right moment when he was singing, Lord, help me. That is real. You need to know where to turn to when you need help. And it comes from him. So be real with him. What are you facing? What are you struggling with? The presence of God is not the place to come and be fake. That's not faith. The presence of God is a perfect place to process your emotions. It's the perfect place to come and pour out your soul before God. It says, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on. This is what I'm dealing with. But here's where faith kicks in. I know I'm not going to leave your presence the same. I know I'm not going to leave your presence facing the same situation the same way. I know I have the victory in the end. I know it turns from me. So I pour out how I'm feeling and I receive your strength. 
You have to be real with Jesus. Jesus is a Jesus you can talk to. And most of you don't speak in the King James every single day, so why do you talk to God in the King James? You don't talk that way. Oh, God, hallowed be thy name in all thy earth. You don't talk that way. Be honest in your conversation with God. Be honest in your praise towards God. You know, sometimes we have to think we have to be really deep to praise God or to thank God. You know, even it says in Deuteronomy, talking about the blessing, it says, when you eat and are full, you'll sit back and thank God. Some of you just need to thank God after the meal. Yes, thank God beforehand, but man, that was really good. Father, I thank you for that food. Whoo, that was good, Jesus. Help me work it off later, but thank you, that was good. Or you see something beautiful in the sky. Father, you did a great job with that. Thank you. You look at the stars. Thank you for that. Oh, man, you made that for me. Thank you. You don't have to be deep to say thank you. But if you say thank you on a regular basis for even the small things, you develop a habit of gratitude that gets you in a position to use your faith more effectively. Thank him for the small things. Thank him for the big things because every good and perfect gift comes from him. All the good comes from him, and he's not just good to good people. The scripture says he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Remember, Jesus talked to agriculture society. Rain is a good thing. Some of us are like, oh, it's rain. I can't go outside, and it's cold. No, rain in an agriculture society is a good thing. Sunlight is a good thing. God causes good things to happen to good people and not good people. So thank him. If you want to be effective in this fight of faith, you need to be grateful. You know, one of the things when I'm teaching my little ones especially, you know, to say thank you for everything that they get or someone does, say thank you. Why? We are a grateful people. So what they're going to hear in the back of the head, we are a grateful people. We are a grateful people. We say thank you. To whether it's anybody or to God, Father, we thank you. Why? This is how we're supposed to be living if we're people of faith. And you just know naturally when someone tells you thank you, you want to do something for them again. Now, if you bless them and they don't say thank you, don't say anything, they say, mm, about time. You're like, mm-hmm, last gift you give. And we think about everything our Heavenly Father has done for us. We have, re- even if he did nothing else for the rest of our lives except keep us from going to hell, that's enough to make the most conservative Catholic dance like a wild Pentecostal that we're not going to burn forever? Thank you. Some of you can't even deal with Georgia summer heat. You can't deal with hell. We have a reason to be grateful and thankful every single day. That even if it's a tough day, even if you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death, even if it's what Ephesians will talk about in the moment calls the evil day, you're still here. There's still breath in your body. God is still doing good things. And if you want to receive victory, you got to say thank you. You have to be grateful. So, Pastor, I'm going through a lot right now. I'm sure you are. But if you want to get out on the other side and win, be grateful for what God has done. And be grateful for the victory before it even shows up in your life. Because you know it's a gift and God's good for it. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. We said fight the good fight of faith. Notice it's a good fight. Usually we emphasize if it's a good fight, it means we win. Yes, that is true. That is part of it. But a good fight is not just because we win. It's also the way in which we fight. It's also our technique. 
for those of you who are boxing fans, that when you talk about the fight was good, it wasn't just that the person you supported you won, but it was the way they won. And he's watched the, you know, the recap afterwards, and they talk about, you know, the right hook, the left hook, how they did this, and the blocking. Oh, was this good? And in this round, it was the technique which helped make it good. Which, so it leads me to say, we'll get into half of it today, that if you want to fight the good fight of faith, you need strength and technique. Strength and technique. Because to fight, you need some strength. Because you've seen these boxers, you know, that, you know, they have this, that, would you rather be punched by Floyd Mayweather or do this? No, I don't want to be punched by Floyd Mayweather on no day. None. Even if it's just, no, that brother's strong. No. He has strength when he fights. All the other, none of the heavyweight boxers that I want to take on in anything. No. Why? Why would I do that to myself? They have strength that they worked on. Now, what if they only started building their strength in the fight? Would they be strong? Would they win? Probably not. That means they had to build the strength before the fight showed up. That means they had to be committed to building strength way before the day of the fight. They had to build themselves up. They had to practice. They had to work out, whether it's jumping rope, whether it's push-ups, whether it's lifting, whatever they did, they had to do something to build strength, and they had to do something to hone their technique. If they want to experience victory in the ring, they needed strength and technique. And they had a coach with them or a trainer with them, help them along the way. That if you want to have victory this year, if you want to have winning and victory this year, you need strength and technique. Say strength and technique. You watch in line, put it in the chat. Put in strength and technique. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, we read over the scriptures, like, yeah, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, but the meaning of the scripture is so powerful. This phrase, be strong, means to be infused with strength, to increase in strength. It was used in Greek literature when they would describe people like Hercules, the legend and myth of Hercules, how he would be empowered by the gods to do things that normal people couldn't do, that when he went through his challenges and did things that people couldn't do, Hercules was in dunamum, which is the Greek word, by the gods. And so Paul is using the same language, because remember, he's writing to people who understand Greek and understand that background. And so he's using the example, writing to Ephesians, who are very much knowing of the Greek and Roman mythology, because a lot of them were pulled out of that, saved from that. And it says, just in the same way you remember stories about Hercules and other demigods doing all these supernatural things, you be empowered by God. Which means if I'm empowered by God, like a Hercules, I can do more things than I can just face in my everyday life. Which means the power that's available to me is more than enough to handle whatever drama shows up in my day. Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered in the Lord. And in the power of his might. This word power here means force, strength, might, and dominion. This word power here means force, strength, might, and dominion. And this last word here for might means ability. So you can read this and be empowered with the miraculous power that comes from God. 
and the dominion of his ability. Notice, his ability, not yours. Because how many of you know that your ability is limited? If you didn't realize it, last year might have taught you something. Your ability is limited. You know, like some of the older saints saying, just live long enough. Because you're younger, you think, oh, I can do anything. Live long enough. Just keep going. I don't know why you're so tired. Just keep going. Just, just live a little bit. You learn some things about yourself. And there's a lot of our abilities that are limited. But aren't you so glad you're not limited to your ability? That's why Paul's saying, be empowered with the miraculous power that comes from God and the dominion and force of his ability. Put on the whole armor of God, not just part of it. There's too many naked Christians running around. That you may be able to stand or withstand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. What are the strategies of the devil? We see in Mark chapter 4. It's affliction, it's persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things. And every strategy of the devil is cloaked in deception, lies, and accusations. This is what he brings up against you. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What is one of the key words of verse 12? Against. Now, yes, it gives you a good description of Satan's rake and file of his demonic kingdom, but the key word here is against. This word against means, talks about face-to-face -face combat. It lets you know your enemy is not the people you see. You have an invisible enemy, and every day you're in face-to-face -face combat with him. Verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, says it to you again, so you know it's important, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. What is the day? Evil day, the day of trial, the day of trouble, the day when stuff just pops off. You know, even when you look at it, it's a day of sudden misfortune. See, one of the things I was studying out, and my friend Chris Palmer is a Greek scholar, and he wrote something about the phrase evil day. And he said the Ephesians were very superstitious people. And they were brought out of this lifestyle. And one of the things that they were afraid of was bad luck. See, some things never change. They're afraid that everything in life could be going right, but suddenly they'll have a sudden misfortune of bad luck. A sudden bad break. Everything is nice, everything is good, and all of a sudden everything goes haywire. That's what they would call an evil day. And so what does Paul say? Be empowered with the miraculous ability that comes from God. And be strong in his dominion and the force of his ability. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the strategies of the enemy, even if it's a sudden break of misfortune. Even if it's a sudden bad break. Even if it's what people who don't know the word say, oh, this is a bad luck just happened to you. You can withstand it and win. So that means you don't have to be concerned, oh, am I lucky? Oh, do I have enough luck? Don't do that. You end up in the Satan's territory. Luck does not matter to you. Because whether it's a day where people say everything's going right, or it's a day where people will call you unlucky, doesn't matter what happens that day, I'm empowered by God. I have the force of his ability. I have the whole armor of God, which is just something very interesting. Can I take us a small little rabbit trail for a second? Do you remember when David was about to fight Goliath? 
and David had Saul's armor. He says, I can't wear it. I can't fit it. It's too big for me. David couldn't wear Saul's armor, but you can wear God's armor. David could not wear Saul's armor, but you can wear God's armor. You see this armor talked about in the book of Isaiah. What God has done in your spirit is so wonderful and so magnificent, you can put on God's armor and expect the victory because it's the same armor God will wear to battle. That you can withstand whether it's a sudden turn of things going wrong. Everything was good and all of a sudden all hell broke loose. Or if it's been a sustained fight, you can expect victory because the strength that's available to you is greater than your strength. The ability that's available to you is greater than your own ability. So Paul is telling us, to be empowered this way. Go back a few chapters and swipe a few points on your device and go to chapter three. You have strength that's available to you. You have ability that's available to you. Because some of you had a trouble pivoting in 2020. Because everything in your life taught you everything's gonna keep going this way. And all of a sudden, everything changed. But if you realize the people who knew how to pivot we're ready and you see the people who know how to pivot last year had some challenges but by the end of the year they go well well it was bad but you know actually it was kind of good for me you had to learn how to pivot he said well everything in my life has trained me to do it this way and that way doesn't even exist anymore pastor well thank god you got the holy ghost thank god you got the one who knows everything that who can, you might say, well, pastor, I'm 70. I, I'm not ready for this. Well, thank God you got the Spirit of God who can show you how to do everything. So don't be overwhelmed. Like, oh, everybody's on Zoom. Yes, do your own study and research. Ask Holy Ghost, help me. Now, what, what is this button, Jesus? You know he'll help you every single step of the way? And the big things and the small things and the spiritual things and the natural things so that you don't have to be overwhelmed. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter, the helper. He will help you with everything. He will help you with your children. And some of you say, I love my children, but I didn't expect to spend this much time with them. He'll help you. You might say, well, I got to teach some algebra. And Lord, I didn't do good in algebra. Pre-cal, that's, that's a cuss word, Jesus. No. Ask him to help you, and he will. He said, well, pastor, if I'm being honest, I'm still going through everything. How can I help my kids go through when I'm still going through? Ask for his help. You have access to his ability, not just your ability. That even when you feel overwhelmed, and life has those times where it's overwhelming, you have access to strength, and ability that's beyond you. You have access to the strength and the ability of the almighty, all-powerful God. You're not in this by yourself. You're not in life by yourself. You have access to the great power of God. In Ephesians 3.16, this is a prayer that I pray for you frequently. I encourage you to pray for yourself all the time. That Paul said, I pray that God will grant you according to the riches or the wealth or the abundance of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. One, it tells you where your strength is. It's on the inside. But notice what else it tells you. This word strengthen does mean to be increased in strength. I found it very interesting when I was looking up this word this morning. That the previous times this word strengthen here in the Greek was used 
was to describe John the Baptist and Jesus. Now, those are some strong brothers. That John the Baptist prepared the way, and Jesus, our Savior, did what he did. But when it talks about in Luke how they would increase in strength, how John the Baptist grew, and then talks about Luke 2.42, how Jesus grew, Paul is using that same Greek word to tell us to grow in strength and to be increased with strength. But it's not our own natural strength. It comes from the, well, the reservoirs, the abundance, the wealth of the glory of God. Coming from God's spirit on the inside of us. So on the inside of you, you have access to the strength of God. So, well, pastor, I need more. We'll get it. Well, pastor, it seems like I need extra today. We'll get it. He doesn't say, well, you can only have this much strength today. Check again tomorrow. You know, if the truck didn't come in, check again next week. No. All the strength of the almighty God is available to you on the inside of you. What God has done in your spirit when you are born again, when you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, is so wonderful, we've barely tapped into it. That you have access to all the strength of God on the inside of you. And this word might here, the strengthen with might, is the Greek word for dunamis, for miraculous force, miraculous ability. That whatever, whatever you need to make it through the day and then win and come out on top, you have access to that strength and power. We need strength and technique to fight the good fight of faith. You have access to the strength. So I have access to the strength. Go with me to Psalm 18.29. Psalm 18.29. You have access to the strength. Psalm 18, verse 29. Notice what the psalmist says here. For by you I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Now David was a mighty warrior. We all know that. We know the stories. But notice David is attributing what he could do in battle that other people couldn't do. It came from God. By you I went through this entire troop of an army. By you, I've leapt over a wall. And some of you are like, Pastor, I have no desire to leap over anything. But by God, you can leap over limitations that people said you couldn't go past. Whether they say it's because of your color, your gender, your education, your background, your past, whatever you did, and say, you can't go far, and they limited you, you can leap over that limitation. They put a wall around you you can leap over that wall. They said, you can't go further. You can leap over that wall. See, it tells us in the book of Romans that the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. That word infirmities in the King James means limitations. The Spirit of God has been sent to help you over your limitations. Everybody in your life can say you're limited. You're a slow learner. You can't get that far. Your daddy didn't get that far. Your granddaddy didn't get that far. Your great-grandma didn't get that far. Don't you know you're limited? Don't you know you're inferior? Don't you know that you are disadvantaged? No, I don't know that. Because the Holy Spirit was sent to help me over my limitations. And the book of Galatians says the new creature who I am in Christ has the advantage. 
It says that I am advantaged. So yes, there may be some things in life that has presented some walls, some limitations, some disadvantages, to where it seems I start back further than other people, but because I have the Holy Ghost, because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, I can go beyond limitations. I have the advantage in life. Say, I have the advantage because I have Holy Ghost. Stop saying you're disadvantaged. Stop saying you're inferior. Stop saying you don't have privilege. You have the greatest privilege of all. You got the privilege of being a child of the Most High God. Yes, there are unfair things in this life. Yes, there's injustice in this life. Yes, there are things that are happening in this life that are unfair and evil and wicked. But you have the Holy Ghost. You have the strength of God. You were born again to win. You were born again to be an overcomer. So overcome every challenge. Overcome every situation. Overcome every limitation. Overcome every disadvantage because of who you are in Christ. You're not fighting for the victory. You're fighting from a place of victory because victory is a gift and you received it but you have to show up on the battlefield go with me to Psalm 60 verse 11 Psalm 60 verse 11 give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man through God we shall do valiantly for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Through God, we can do mighty things. Through God, we can do valiant things. Through God, we can overcome every resistance, every situation. Through him, through his ability, through his might, through his power, we win. Go to Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Glory to God. Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Looking at the last part of this verse. But the people that do know their God shall be what? Strong and do exploits. So it's almost an echo of Psalm 60, but something I want you to see. Exploits, if you're looking at a physical Bible, is italicized. Which means it was added by the translators to try to help you understand what the writer was getting to. So it's not inaccurate to say that you'll do exploits or do valiantly. We see that in other scriptures that support the statement. But one of the things that, you know, jumped out to me a long time ago, I shall be strong and do. But that to me, that leaves a blank. Do what? Whatever I got to do. Whatever I need to do. Because I know God, I'll be strong and I shall. Well, what do I need to do today? What do I need to handle at the office today? What do I need to do at home today? What do I need to handle in society today? Because I know God, I'll be strong and I'll do it. So some of you need to write down in your notebook or in your phone and later today go over it. Because I know God, I shall be strong and do blank. And you need to fill in that blank every single day. Because I know God, I'll be strong and I can handle it. Because I know God, I'll be strong and I can do it. You need to stop being like Moses when Moses' rod turned into a serpent and he acted like a lot of us. Snake, jump. How many of you kind of been like that? Nah, opposite way. And what did God tell him to do? Pick it up or handle it. We've been jumping from too much stuff. Handle it. Because you know God, you'll be strong and you can handle it. 
When people talk about, oh man, 2021, did you see how it started? I want to unsubscribe from this subscription. But you can handle it. See, you were born for such a time as this. You were born at this time, born again at this time to handle whatever the world throws your way. You have to understand, if you couldn't handle it, God would not have been just to let you be born at this time. He would have been, it would have made sense in his eternal mind to anoint you at this time, to gift you at this time, to call you at this time. If he knew you couldn't handle it, he'd probably put you in the days of Abraham, the days of Elijah, the days of Jesus. But he knew what you need to know. You are meant for such a time as this. You are meant to confront the problems and the circumstances and the situation of this day. And because you know your God, you can be strong and handle it. Don't be concerned about your children. Like, oh, I'm raising children a time like this. What are they going to do? Handle it. Why? Because you're teaching them to know their God. You're teaching them to go further than where you went. You're teaching them to stand on your shoulders and go higher. So you don't teach them fear, you teach wisdom. Don't make them afraid. So go, baby, I'm afraid if you cross the street, you get hit by a car. No, teach them wisdom. Look both ways because there's no sense for you being hit by a car. Look both ways and then cross. Don't teach them fear. Well, pastor, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. Yes, there'll always be a lot of things to be afraid of. But we don't teach fear. We teach wisdom. We teach, yes, there are some challenges you'll run into in life. Yes, there are some people who may not like you because of your gender, because of your age, because of your background, because of your nationality. Yes, that is a reality in this world. But do not let anyone under any circumstance limit you. And do not hate them for it. Why? Hate will drain you. Hate is a weak force because it may empower you in a moment, but it'll leave you in worse shape when you're done. So no, we forgive everybody of everything. Now we set our boundaries. We don't let everybody get close to us. You teach them wisdom, but you go forward and you train them that yes, things are going on in this life, but we win. Yes, it's different. We can't go outside and go everywhere right now, but we still win. You set before them that the plan of God will still come to pass. Why? We're meant for such a time as this. Our children are meant for such a time as this. Your grandchildren are meant for such a time as this. So you be that person that encourages them. You be that person that empowers them. You're the one that speaks life into them. Yeah, I know, baby, that online class is rough and it's different, but you can do it. You can handle it. This won't last forever, but you can do it. And God is preparing you for something great. God has great things ahead of you. He's doing great things in you now. Ask him to help you. He'll help you. You empower them. You point them toward the direction. You know, it's interesting to me that in Proverbs, the Bible talks about children being arrows. That is our job as parents to load them and launch them. So everything we're doing as parents is helping them to launch out into the direction, not our direction, but the direction of the purpose and the plan of God for their lives. And so we encourage them along that path. Yes, you may have some things you want your children to do, and we all do as parents, but make sure you're always encouraging. What does the Holy Ghost say? And encourage them to pray so they know God's voice for themselves. Because it's great that they listen to you because, oh, yeah, you know, mom and daddy, they hear from God. But what about when they groan? 
you know, they can't call you for everything. What if you don't pick up quick enough? You need to teach your kids, even from the earliest age, to follow the Holy Ghost. Now, even though, you know, I teach my teenager the rules, here's what we do, but I said, always follow your spirit. These are the rules, but if some reason you have something in here that you need to leave early, that's what you do. You have to follow the Holy Ghost. Dad Hagen said years ago that one of the most important things you can learn at the end times is how to be led by the Spirit of God. And we have to instill in our children the same thing. So the power that has been made available to us is far greater than what we'll ever need for what we face in our own individual lives. How many of you can see that so far? That means the power that's available to us is more than just for us, but it's able to cause victory in our spheres of influence. We'll talk about David and Goliath sometime in this series, but Goliath was not a personal problem. Goliath was a national problem. That yes, God will strengthen you to handle the stuff you have to face today, but he's also strengthened you to handle things that are afflicting other people in your life who they don't know how to get the strength. They don't know how to fight. And God said, I need you to handle it for them. He will strengthen you to handle things in your communities. He will strengthen you to take on challenges that are bigger than you. You know, Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. You know, Jeremiah is just kind of telling God, I know you're right, but here's what I'm facing. Jeremiah's having a moment with God. And God replies to him and says, if you get tired racing mere people, how are you going to outrace horses? And you might say, well, why would one, I want to race horses? Two, what are you talking about? So think about it this way. If you get tired doing the normal everythings in life, how can you do the supernatural? If just normal life makes you tired, how can you do things beyond yourself? And then it goes on and says, if you get tired when everything's normal, how are you going to handle when the Jordan overflows with water and there's lions stalking about? Number one, why do I want to be there? Wasn't a flood. Number two, why are there lions? But what does that let me know? That God expects me to handle things that are bigger than me. God expects me to handle some situations that has impact on people around me. God expects me to go beyond myself. That yes, he gives me strength for me, but maybe, just maybe, I'm in the city I'm in, in the neighborhood I'm in, in the career I'm in, in the place I'm in, not just for me. And my poor, no more, maybe, just maybe. I live at such a time as this for the sake of other people. Just maybe, just maybe, what God has given me can make an impact in my neighbor's life, my co-worker's life, people I come in contact with. That maybe, just maybe, I just happen to be at the grocery store and someone's just having a breakdown. But maybe, just maybe, hey, it's going to be okay. Well, how do you know that? I'm going to pray for you. It's going to make it okay. Just maybe you're where you are for such time as this. Maybe, just maybe. You say, well, my pastor, my workplace is dark. Maybe that's why you're there as the light. So, pastor, I don't qualify for this. God qualifies the unqualified. Do you know what qualifies you? You look through the scriptures, I'll be with you. Go. That's your qualification. You have strength, not just to handle what you face in your everyday life, but to handle other things to make a difference 
and your community, to make Jesus famous in neighborhoods and nations, to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. What God has given us is greater than the challenges we face in our individual lives. It's to impact others. It's to make a difference. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That power, that strength comes from him. It comes from our relationship with him. That those who know their God, who have an intimate relationship with God, will be strong and do. The power comes from the relationship. Say, the power comes from the relationship. You know, when you look at Exodus 34, verse 29, some of us are very familiar with that story that Moses is on the mountain with God. He's with God for this long period of time. He sees God. God removes the cloud and Moses can see God for how he actually looks. And Moses leaves the mountain. He didn't know it, but in his time with God, he started looking a little different. As he came down from the mountain, people were pointing. And Moses was like, hey, good to see you. People are like, he gets close to Aaron, um, bruh, what? Someone give him a mirror. His face was shining. See, Moses came from the presence of God looking more like God. It was so startling to the rest of the people that Moses looked more like God than he looked like Moses. Because Moses had spent the time with God and there was an exchange. Moses went in just being him, still a mighty man of God, but he came out of the presence of God looking like God with the presence of God on him. That when you spend time with God, there should be a residue on you. Come on, we all know people who you can tell what they ate because when they get close, you can smell it. Whether it was fried chicken, some fried fish, whatever they're making, it's in their clothes, it's in their hair. And now you're kind of upset, like, where's my chicken? I, I got some hostels over here, come on, where's my food? Because the environment that they're in transferred with them. And if chicken and fish can transfer, how much more the glory of God? That Moses spent time with God and left there with the glory on him so he resembled more of God than he did of himself. It came from relationship. We look at Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 17 through 19, and Jesus spent the whole night in prayer. Remember, Jesus is our perfect example. He didn't do things on earth because he was the son of God, even though he always is and always will be the son of God. He's 100% man, 100% God. But he operated on this earth as man anointed by God, showing us the perfect example, being our prototype, the firstborn of many brethren. And so he spent all night in prayer, and we see it was to get the wisdom from God to choose what apostles he should choose, which should be the 12. But it says when he came down from the mountain, it says everybody sought to touch him because virtue went out of him. That virtue in the King James is the Greek word for dunamis, miraculous ability. So we see that when Jesus came from his time with the Father, power was flowing. And people say, if I can just touch him, I'll be changed. That's an example to let us know that when we spend time in prayer, it increases the power that flows out of us. It's a great exchange. It's tapping into the strength of the Almighty God. This power available to us Go to Psalm 27, verse 14. Psalm 27, verse 14. 
Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This word wait means to look expectantly for him. To look expectantly for him. It is expectation. It means when I go into the presence of God, I'm expecting God to do something. When I read his word, I'm expecting God to do something in me. When I come to church, I'm expecting God to do something in me. When I spend time in prayer, I expect God to do something in me. When I turn and I praise and worship, I expect him to do something in me. I'm looking for him. I'm not saying, well, I got to read a chapter today. Uh, my coffee ain't even ready yet. I got to do something, Jesus. I expect him. And if I expect him, notice what he'll do. He will strengthen my heart. So that means when I come to him, I need to expect strength. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. There's more strength available to you today, more than what you need to handle your own problems, your own situations, but strength to make a difference in this world. Isaiah 40, verse 29. Actually, back to verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary or tired? There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, thank God. And to them who have no might, he increases strength, thank God. Even the young people shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So think about it this way. So you have three kids. Two of them are younger, four and two. Seems like they have boundless energy. That instead of just watching movies sit down, they like to take laps as they watch the movie. They get all this energy. That I remember one time we were at a theme park, and I think my teenager was younger then, and she's like, oh, can I get a coffee like you? I was like, no, no, no. What you have naturally is producing what this coffee is about to produce in me. And we look at young people, we look at, look at all this energy they got. Look at all this hyperness. But we know eventually they are going to crash. Some of your parents are like, thank God. Nap time has arrived. We know eventually they're going to have to rest. But notice this comparison that God can strengthen you with even better energy than the young people got. Because their energy will wear out eventually, hopefully, at one moment, prayerfully. But the energy you get from God doesn't run out. For those of you who wait upon the Lord who expect and look towards him, he will renew your strength. Notice what you'll do. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll do things you can't do by yourself. You'll run and not get tired. You'll walk and you won't faint. So the times when you would get tired, you won't be tired. And the days when you feel like fainting, you won't faint because your strength is not coming from your natural ability, being powered with the miraculous power that comes from God and the dominion of his ability. So the days you feel like you're getting tired, God, I tap in to that strength. I tap in to that divine energy. I tap in to the power. You know, Paul said it this way. He says, you know, he says, I'm the least of all apostles, but the grace of God that's on me, I outworked everybody else. He said, it wasn't my ability, but it was his grace 
that energized me. It's his grace that empowered me. It's his grace that took me forward. And one of the definitions of grace is the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, you may be tired because of last year. You may be tired because of what you see on the news. But you're not in this by yourself. You have the grace of God. And another definition of grace, it is a divine assistant. It will empower you and it will assist you. You have access to strength and ability beyond human understanding. So don't be just a mere mortal. Don't just be human. Be born again. Don't just say, well, I'm just human like everyone else. No, once you're born again, no longer consider yourself just human like everybody else. You've been born again. You've been washed in the blood. You got the Holy Ghost. You have the advantage, Galatians says. So never forget that. And no, never let anyone tell you something different. He will renew your strength. Jude 1.20 says we build ourselves up on the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. That word for building up is also what they would use today to talk about energizing. Just like we charge our devices in our phones if we expect to use them that day. Charge yourself up by praying in the Spirit. Charge yourself up by praying in the Holy Ghost. Have times throughout the day where you just pray in the Spirit. You don't have to be loud and draw attention to yourself. You can pray in the Spirit. Now these days you have to wear a mask so you can be praying in the Spirit. No one knows anything. They can't even see your mouth move. Build yourself up. You know, it tells us that this, when Isaiah was prophesying about this, that this is how you cause the weary to be refreshed. One of the ways you are refreshed is by praying in the Spirit. That there's so many things we encounter these days, then you need to tap into the strength God has for you. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us many things, but for the sake of time, it tells us about how every joint has a supply, how the body of Christ comes together. Right? Well, actually, let's go look at it. I won't even quote it. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Glory to his holy name. Thank you for your strength, sir. You see, when you're in the presence of God, there's an exchange. And see, we've been going over the word in the presence of God. And some of you feel stronger than you did when you came in this building. Why? There was an exchange. As you're hearing the word, God is putting strength in. Strength, strength, strength. Why? You made time today to come to this building. You made time today to watch online. You made time today to wait on God and expect something. And he won't let your expectation fail. He's put strength in you. Ephesians 4, 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacts by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The body grows because every joint has a supply. Say, I have a supply. And so notice another way people are strengthened is because of our supply. Every believer has a supply. But because you call and check on your brother and sister in Christ, you call and check on someone else at Facebook, you know what, I haven't seen them or heard from them. Let me call them and see how they're doing. Let me message them on Facebook. And you just say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. You know, I'm praying for you today. Do you know what you did? You released a supply of strength. They're thinking, you know, someone cares about me. You know, I can face today. You have a supply. You come into a faith group, it's like, well, I'm pretty good today, but maybe there's someone who will be encouraged if I come to the faith group. Maybe someone else will be encouraged if I reach out to them. 
yeah, I got strength today, but maybe someone else needs strength. Maybe I would just text them, hey, how you doing? Just letting you know that I'm thinking about you, praying for you. Even if they don't text back, they saw it. And they go, huh, somebody, God put me on somebody's mind. You walking in love, you praying for someone, you reaching out, you being part of a faith group, what does it do? You come together and you give your supply of strength. And the body grows and builds up in love. So we receive strength from our time with God, our individual time of God, our time when we come to church, but also as we do life together, as we reach out to each other, as we check on each other, as we pray for each other, as we see how each other are doing, we receive strength, we receive power, we receive ability, because we're not supposed to be islands. We're supposed to do this life together. It's not I is faith, it's we are faith. It's all of us. And some of you say, well, I'm an introverted person. Well, you can still text back. Oh, I don't want people in my business. Well, by the look of things, you need some people in your business. <laughs> you don't tell them all the details, but say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm facing a lot today. You know, I'm not at a point, say, you know, as, as the type of person I am, I'm not at a point where I can share a lot right now, but I would appreciate your prayers and you checking on me. So not only be a supply, but be willing to receive. Because some of us are like, well, you know, I'm good by yourself. No, you ain't. How many of you gotten to a point in your life know that you ain't good by yourself? That you need somebody else? Now, you know, when we gather, we're strengthened. I remember one of the faith groups that I personally lead, that one of the first times I came back, my wife made a comment, says, you're more energized. And I said, it was not only the guys who got strength, and I got strength. Why? We came together. Every joint supplies. We build ourselves up. It's not just one person. It's all of us together. We need each other. And we should value community even more after what we went through in 2020 and what we're pressing through now. We need each other. So reach out to people. Be part of a faith group. Pray for people. Reach out to people on Facebook, on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, whatever you use. Reach out to people. And remember Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It's not by might, military power. It's not by power, though where power means human strength. But it's by his spirit. That's how these things are coming to pass. The power and the strength of his spirit. So be empowered with the miraculous power that comes from God and the dominion of his ability. You have access to power that's greater than what you need to face for your day, but you have access to power that can make change in this world. And it's time for the church to lead the charge. Praise God. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.